0: Hey, have you checked out my free masterclass from page one to done, write your novel or memoir in five truly simple steps? Because if you haven't, you need to. You can watch it right now. You don't have to wait, or you can listen to this podcast episode and then watch it. It is at maryadkinswriter.com forward slash masterclass that's mary adkins with a d like donut and writer like a person who writes not a person on a horse forward slash masterclass it is an hour it is on demand so you can watch it whenever you sign up for it and have an hour and let me know what you think i would love to hear from you Welcome to season two of The First Draft Club. I'm your host, Mary Adkins. I'm an author and writing coach. You can find my novels, When You Read This and Privilege, in your favorite bookstore. And my next novel, Palm Beach, will be out next summer, so stay tuned for news about that. I also have a -a two-and-a-half-year-old named Finn, and so if you hear background noise during this episode or any episode, that's probably why... I do my best to curb it. I'm in my closet, for example. Um, But, you know, sound carries, especially when there are sounds made by uh, an amazing and very loud toddler. If you tuned in for any of season one, you know that the way that this podcast works is I take a question from my weekly word shop with my students um, and I bring it to the podcast to answer it on the air. And that's going to be how season two works as well, because I got great feedback from season one. I'm really glad that people are enjoying it. I'm enjoying making it. I really like this format. And so we're just going to keep going. Hi, and welcome to today's episode of the first draft club. I am so glad you're here, and I hope you are having a great month so far. In this week's episode... I am going to be talking about two narrative devices, MacGuffins and red herrings. And if you don't know what either of those are, no worries, we're going to define them. Today's question reads, Dear Mary, in the course, you talk about the three elements that make up a scene, but how do you write MacGuffins and red herrings effectively to build suspense? Can you give us any examples from your own work or from others' work? Okay, I'm going to be honest, when I read this question, I had to look up what a MacGuffin is. I'd never heard of the term MacGuffin. Apparently it's a term used in film. I now know what it is. I love that I know what it is, but I didn't before. I did know what a red herring was. So let's talk about each of these in turn. First, a MacGuffin is, and this is me giving the definition that you will also find if you Google it, <laughs> is a device or an event that's necessary To the plot and the motivation of the characters, but it in itself is insignificant, as in not significant. Okay. So the idea here is that it is um, it's something in the story to kind of build the here's how interpret here is how I'm interpreting it. It's something in the story that's necessary to to build the suspense, but ultimately it doesn't really matter. So the an example I found online is like a briefcase that everybody is after and we wonder what's in the briefcase we want to know what's in the briefcase the characters want to know what's in the briefcase but ultimately we never find out what's in the briefcase because it doesn't matter what's in it like the the real conflict of the story emerges and it's something more complicated and more um you know more foundational to good storytelling and but by, by the end we don't care what's in the briefcase okay so that that is an example of a MacGuffin. In my teaching, I teach that it's really important to open a novel draft or a memoir draft, even if it's so, even if it's nonfiction and a memoir. It's really important to open with the protagonist having an unsatisfied want. In other words, a, a desire for something that is not easy for this person to get. Ultimately, it doesn't matter like what the thing is, and. In a way, it doesn't matter if they get it or not, because really, this is just to build suspense at the beginning of the story. So I realized after reading about MacGuffins that I'm basically teaching a MacGuffin. I just didn't know that it was called that. Here's an example: in my novel, Privilege, Annie. At the opening of the novel, she is starting her sophomore year of college, and she wants to be, she wants to be popular. Like she wants to have a social life for the first time because she, for various reasons, she she has never been like the cool kid. Does she become popular in the story? Uh, kind of, for a weird reason, but it, it doesn't matter. You're not thinking about that later in the, because uh, something happens that captures your attention and we realize this is ultimately what really matters, not whether she's popular or not. If you try to think through a story that you know really well by heart maybe it's in film or a novel you you may be able to to identify this kind of device like what is it that um that seems important at the beginning but ultimately that you you pretty much forget about and maybe it's resolved and maybe it isn't but you don't really care down the line um I'm going to go ahead and extrapolate here and say that I I think any character want at the opening of a story or even early in a story is a kind of MacGuffin because getting their want fulfilled isn't going to be what changes them. Uh, I'll say that again. Getting their want fulfilled is not going to be what changes them unless it's to make them realize that what they wanted was something else. Okay, so that there's a twist to that. <laughs> but what changes people, what changes their perspective, what gives them a new a new take on things, I think is what makes a story, what what gives it that that resonant depth and a want being fulfilled is not what embodies that kind of change. If I have always dreamed of going to Prague. And I'm writing a story in which at the opening, I am dreaming of going to Prague. I desperately want to get to Prague. It's always been something that it's been always been something that I, I would love to do more than anything. If I get to go to Prague in the story, cool. Like I wanted to go to Prague and I got to go to Prague. That's not a good story. That that in itself, that may happen in the story. And we, we may even be happy that that this character, my character gets to go to Prague. But the wanting something and then getting that thing is not what makes a story. The wanting something, <laughs> working to get that thing, and then encountering some kind of dilemma or obstacle or... You know, life experience that causes a change in perspective is a story. So, in terms of MacGuffins and incorporating MacGuffins into your work, I would say, just like I've always taught, open with your character having an unsatisfied want. And it doesn't need to be the most profound thing on earth. It doesn't have to be the love of her absent father. It can be that she, I mean, I mentioned she, someone wanting to be popular. It can be superficial like that. It can be, Wanting to get out of work early today. It can be uh, wanting to get out of out of traffic, wanting, wanting to get out of being stuck in traffic. It can be wanting to get hired um, in a particular position, or um, hoping the moving trucks, the, the movers show up on time. All of these serve as, a, as a, an adequate, unsatisfied want. As long as just there's some reason they're not happening right away, like we can draw it out a little bit, we can, we can play within that tension of the the character not getting what they want, while the we g- slowly reel the reader in and they become more invested in these characters. And then once they're invested in the characters, y- you 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 can move along. You know you have more to play with. The movers can show up. They can you know get get. Um, unstuck from the traffic they can you know get the job or not you can move on to the next bigger more more essential conflict okay now let's talk about red herrings a red herring which i think you're more likely to have heard of i think it's more more common than MacGuffins, is um it's a clue that is intended to be misleading, so it's it's to distract you, while so so that you don't notice the the real thing going on over here on the side. I I what I did not know was the history of this term, so I did look that up in preparation to answer this question. The term was apparently popularized in 1807 by uh, an English polemicist named William Cobit who told a story of having used a strong smelling smoked fish to divert and distract hounds from chasing a rabbit. So despite the violence of this reference, I I do really like this image of making something very, this idea of making something very smelly and stinky to distract from the truth. So let's talk about um, what constitutes very smelly in literary terms. Okay. So if you are, and, and this is, True. I mean red herrings I think can be can be a useful device in literature, whether whether or not you're writing mystery or thrillers. Like I I absolutely try to incorporate these into my my storytelling and I I don't write those genres. So this would be you you'd you'd want a red herring if you know you're you're just trying to direct the reader's attention in one direction. While planting a seed for what is going to come to light later, and I'm using the phrase planting a seed because that's what you want to be doing. You you don't want it to be big and flashy. You don't want it to be um, super obvious. Otherwise, it's, you're going to give it away, right? So the idea here is that you're you're kind of misleading them. You're misleading them a bit on purpose. It's a it's a narrative strategy to ultimately to create this satisfa- the satisfying feeling of both surprise and a met expectation. So this kind of paradoxical sensation in the reader later in the book when the truth comes out. You want them to kind of to feel shocked by it, but also to think, ah, I should have seen that coming. So ways of incorporating red herrings. The first is to literally give more space on the page to the red herring, to the thing that is meant to be distracting, to the stinky prose, (laughs) Um, you know, have a page and a half or two pages devoted to the red herring for every half page or one paragraph devoted to the actual uh, truth, to the, to the seed planting of the truth. Okay, that's one thing. Another way is to, and, and probably the more more important way, is to have the characters focus on the red herring. Focus on the thing you they, that you want the reader to focus on, because what the characters focus on, the reader will be focused on. So don't have the characters pay really careful attention to the thing that you're, you're trying to subtly um, and discreetly plant over here on the side. And finally, I would not overplay the true detail. Like, plant it, but play it down. Okay, so here's one way that I mean this. If possible, you want to drop it in in a way that it seems like you're doing it for another reason. For example, if the truth has to do with a football player who just walked into the bar, don't out of the blue just tell the read, t- tell us, tell the readers that the football player just walked into the bar. Okay, so because if you just drop in that bit of information it's too obvious. Like now the reader is like, oh, this football player is going to be important, or the author would not have just told me that. Better, more smooth, smoother, would be maybe he walks into the bar and orders a drink before the protagonist can get their order in, and they're sitting there waiting, and it irks the protagonist because, say, she really wants her drink so she can get back to the table and finish this really important conversation she's having with someone about this thing that is really urgent, you know, like stink, think stinky fish, stinky fish. (laughs) We want the reader focused on what the protagonist is focused on, which is getting her drink so she can get back to the table and talk about this important thing. And that, that, that football player who just walked into the bar and is ordering a drink before her out of turn is just an annoyance. He's just a temporary distraction. And that's all he is to her. And so that's all he is to us. And that I think is an effective way of planting the seed. The red herring is the protagonist's anxiety and, and rush and getting her drink order fulfilled. And the, the, the seed being planted is that dude that we just think is a distraction, but actually is setting up a truth for later. So that's how I would plant a red herring. Um, make sure to, to literally devote more space on the page to the red herring. Have the characters focus on it because what they focus on, the readers focus on. And drop in the true detail in a way that it seems like you're doing it for another reason. So that plays into the, um, the plot at hand in a relevant way. I hope today's episode was helpful. Have a great week and see you next time. Thanks for listening to the first draft club, subscribe and leave a review and I will adore you forever. And if you want to submit your own questions and attend these sessions live, you can join our community of authors by going to maryadkinswriter.com. That's Adkins with a D like donut. And if you want to attend my free masterclass on how to finish your book in five simple steps, just go to maryadkinswriter.com slash masterclass. That's maryadkinswriter.com slash masterclass, and you can watch it instantly. Happy writing. See you next week.